Hosea chapter 4 starts out. First, let me say this. From here on, we won't really hear anything of Hosea's personal life. Um, where in the first three chapters, we've seen that Gomer represented Israel. Uh, the children that her and Hosea had represented the individuals of Israel. And we've seen that Hosea represented God. Um, from here on out, God will be speaking through Hosea. And he will be, as he said in chapter 2, he will bring uh, a wrath down upon him. And we're going to be looking at that. So here we start in verse chapter, or chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord has, hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood toucheth blood. Therefore shall the land mourn, and every one that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beast of the field and with the fowls of heaven. Yea, the fish of the sea also shall be taken away. Yet let no man strive nor reprove another, for thy people are as they that strive with the priest. Therefore shalt thou fall in the day and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, and I will also forget thy children. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore will I change their glory into shame. They set up the sin of my people, and they set their heart on their, their iniquity, and there shall be like people, like priests. And I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their doings. For they shall eat and not have enough. They shall commit wardom and shall not increase. They shall have left off to take heed to the Lord. Wardom and wine, and now new wine, take away their hearts. My people ask counsel of their stocks, and their staff declareth, Unto them, for the spirit of wardom hath caused them to err, and they have gone warring from under their God. They sacrifice upon the tops of the mountains and burn incense upon the hills, under oaks and poplars and elms, because the shadow thereof is good. Therefore your daughters shall commit wardom, and your spouses shall commit adultery. I will not punish your daughters when they commit wardom, nor your spouses when they commit adultery. For themselves are separated from wars, and they sacrifice with harlots. Therefore the people that doeth not understand shall fall. Though thou, Israel, play the harlot, yet let not Judah offend. And come not ye unto Gilgad, neither go ye up to Bethaven, nor swear the Lord liveth. For Israel slideth back as a backsliding heifer. Now the Lord will feed them as a lamb in the large place. Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. Their drink is sour. They have committed wardom continually. Her rulers with shame do love give ye. The wind hath bound her up in her wings, and they shall be ashamed because of their sacrifices. We see here that God is saying, basically God is bringing Israel into a court of law. He's going to tell Israel, he says, I'm, I'm going to bring a law against you because you've broken mine. The, the, the sense here is that he's taking them to court. 
and he's now going to uh, pr produce the uh, charges against them. He says, they, he says, listen, children. He said, you've, you've committed a controversy with me. We, we have a problem between each other. God says there's a problem between us and with the inhabitants of the land because there is no truth, no mercy, no knowledge of God in the land. I want to look at this for a moment because when I read this, I look around myself and I see the same thing here. I see the same thing in this, this country. There is no, the inhabitants of the land, there are no truth anymore. There's no mercy anymore. There's no knowledge of God. Skip over into verse 6. What's he say there? He says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. What is knowledge? What we think is knowledge as a Christian is what? God's Word. That's the knowledge. That's the knowledge that they did not have there. Uh, we look at that and we think, you know, this country is the same way. There's no knowledge anymore. There's no willingly wanting to go and search for the truth. We watch the news. Oh, well, I don't watch the news. Some of you might watch the news. And, and you turn it on ABC or CBS or NBC or even Fox, whatever you want to watch, and you listen to the program and you're thinking in your mind, is that true? And a lot of stuff we think, well, that can't be true. You know, did they really do this? Did they really say this? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I don't want to make fun of the old man, but he was making a speech the other day at a convention, and uh, he looked around and was looking for uh, this woman, this con uh, congressional woman, this uh, senator. And he kept asking, where's she at? Where's she at? She died three months ago. He was still looking for her. And he, then he went on to, oh, oh okay, she, she passed away. Well, I want to thank her for the help with this convention. She didn't have anything to do with it. He had no knowledge of what was going on. But we look at this and we think of our own country, of the knowledge that we don't have here. And it's not knowledge that we can pick up, pick up a book and say, oh, I've read this book and I know all about this. And, you know, I've gone to college and I know all about this. That's not the knowledge he's talking about. He's talking about the knowledge of God, the willingness to search out and find out what God has to say to them. He says there is none in the land. He said they've gone so far off the track that they don't even want to look for it. He says they go into swearing. Here's the charges that God is bringing against them. Now, there's just several few here, but they cover a lot of ground. He said, by swearing. And, and this is, uh, I've looked up this word, and there's several meanings of it, but in this passage, it's literally meaning swearing. Literally taking God's name in vain or saying words that is inappropriate. Okay? They were all into that. Lying, cheating each other, telling fibs on each other. Killing happened every day. Somebody's killing somebody. Stealing. I watched, watched the news. I did see part of the news where Governor Santos made a speech. He said, you loot, we shoot. 
He's talking about them people in Florida. He, you're going to go out and loot, you're going to get shot. They're, they're not going to stand for it. Uh, they showed the picture on Facebook. Somebody showed the picture down there in, um, I don't remember what county it was. But they had about three dozen people sitting on the ground in the middle of the road, handcuffed. Because they were out looting. They're not taking it. But they were stealing, he says here. They were committing adultery. They were breaking out. Their breaking out means that they were, they were going out and living with other people. They were what we used to call shacking up. He said, they had blood touches blood. I had to look this up, had to get a commentary on this because it, I didn't understand what blood touches blood. What was happening here was one crime was committed which related into another crime happening, which related into another crime. The murder of this guy caused this guy to do something which caused this guy to kill somebody else. So the blood touches blood means that those, those murders, those killings were going on one after another. It was continuing on. He said, therefore shall the land mourn. Everyone that dwelt therein shall languish, and the beast like the field. He said, that land will mourn. Because of sin, the country has a problem. We look at this nation here, we're looking at Israel here, but we look at our nation, and, and with the sin that goes on in this nation, what do we see around us? I mean, it's, it's, it's getting out of hand. We've got all these things the same as Israel had, probably worse, but they were into all this, into idols and everything. He said they will languish. They will, they will start living like the beast of the field. They will start acting like birds and fish. All be, it'll all go away. Yet let no man strive, nor reprove another. Quit bickering, he says. That was another, that's a sin. You know that, right? It's a sin to bicker against each other. Just for the people... <clears throat> or they strive like the priest. Uh, turn over to Jeremiah 4.28. Jeremiah 4.28 is the law that gives a priest uh, special privileges or special authority. Okay? Jeremiah 4.28. And this is the law that, that, that carries on. That the, he, he says, Here, here's your, your law for your priest. He says that, uh, for this shall the earth mourn, and the heavens above be black, because I have spoken it, I have proposed it, and will be not repent, neither will I turn back from it. Okay? That's talking about the land mourning. But God says there is a special... Let me get my note here. I think I got out of line. There is a special law in Deuteronomy. Where am I at? Well, now I've lost my note. Anyway, there's a special law, uh, uh, authority in Deuteronomy that the priests have authority. They are the ones who are in charge of the spiritual binding, just like pastors up here. He's our spiritual leader. And he basically says in, in these scriptures here, in, in Hosea, he says that uh, uh, we shouldn't be uh, uh, blaming the priest for the causes. See, they have that special authority to, to tell us what's wrong. Pastor has the authority to stand out here 
and call out someone if he thinks it's that bad. That's what his job is supposed to do. He's supposed to do that. We don't, we don't see a lot of, of church discipline anymore. It just doesn't happen because we're afraid of offending people and doing that. But the priest, the, the pastor has that right. And they, what they were doing, they were bickering, they were striving, they were, they were blaming everything on the priest. But now we're going to see here in a minute, these priests weren't any better than the people. He says it right in here. He said, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. That knowledge of God that everybody should know about. What's it say over in Romans? What's it say in Romans? Anybody? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifested in them, for God has showed it unto them. See, man has a little inkling of what God is and who God is. Israel knows the laws of God. They've already been given the laws of God. But they're not paying attention to them. He said they have a lack of knowledge. It's a self-rejecting knowledge. They, they don't want to know it. They're so caught up in their sins, they're so caught up in the, their, their, their flesh, their abominations that they're doing, they don't want to do that. That's human nature. That's part of our flesh. When we commit a sin, I mean, <laughs> you know, if, if, if I say something or do something to somebody and, and the Holy Spirit's going to deal with me on it. And when he does that, you know, I don't know about you, but I get to the point where I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to pray. And the reason being is because I know God's going to show me what I've done. He will convict me of it, and I don't want to do that. And that's why these people wouldn't, they didn't want that knowledge, because they know that the Bible, Scripture, points out the sins that we commit. It brings, the law does that. He said, they personally rejected me. They shall be no more priests to me. What are we called in the New Testament? What's Christ call us? Are we not his priest? Are we not to go out and proclaim his gospel? We're his priest. He says here, he even told Israel was to be the priestly life. They would be the priestly nation. They were the ones who were supposed to bring the gospel to the world. But they rejected it. He said, you will no longer be my priest, seeing that you have forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. As they were increased, so they sinned even against me. The more there became, the more sin there was. The more the population grows, the more sin there is. Therefore will I change their glory into shame. Israel was supposed to be and is God's chosen people. Don't get me wrong. They are his chosen people. And as we spoke last week, he has put them in this probation period until the time where they will accept him, and that will be after the tribulation. 
But he says here, he says, uh, their children, I will also forget them. Do you ever think about your great-grandchildren or your grandchildren or those children that will come after them? What world will they have? What world will they be coming into when they're born? Will they be coming into the time of the tribulation? We'll be all out of here and, and children will be born into the time of tribulation? Will they be born into that? He's talking about that. He says, I will forget it as well to forget them. As they were increased, so sin increased. Therefore will I change their glory into shame. Israel was supposed to be his special people, supposed to bring the gospel to the world. They were supposed to be, at one point, the center of all spirituality. But they rejected. He said, no longer. He says, I'll take that glory and turn it into shame. Remember what we talked about over in chapter 2? Chapter 2, where it says, Least I strip her naked and set her as the day that she was born and make her as a wilderness and like a dry land and slay her with thirst, and I will not have mercy upon her or her children, for they are, will be the children of wardom. He will expose them. He will take everything away, and that will be the end of it. He could, from here on, we're going to see, I guess you could say verse, chapters 1 through 3 was kind of a summary of the prophecy. And then starting here in chapter 4, he's going to open up that prophecy. He's going to give us all details of it. He's doing part of that here. They eat up the sin of my people, and they set their heart on their iniquity. Their hearts are, are pointed toward the flesh. They're pointed toward warden. They're pointed toward all these sins. They don't want nothing to do with God. And now you should be like people, like priests. And here, here, This is a good point. I like this. These priests that they had were set up by Jehovah. They were evil priests. They, they, they had prostitutes in the temple. They were committing whoredom inside the temple of God. Or what was supposed to be a temple of God. But they had their idols in there. And he says that they, uh, they are just like the priests. They were doing just as bad as the priests were. The priests were no better than they were. The priests were committing sins. Pastor kind of spoke on it a little bit this morning. As the parent goes, goes the child, Right? If a child is raised a certain way, how's he going to react when he's older? Right? Uh, you know, when I was a kid, my daddy, my daddy wasn't strict, strict. But if you did something, you got your tail whipped. I mean, that, he, he'd always tell me, he said, I'm going to jerk a knot in your tail. You know, I mean, that was his favorite saying. And, you know, mom, she would be, well, you wait till your father gets home, you know. Dad got home, he'd pull out that three-inch belt, you know, because he kept a tool belt, wasn't it? And he had a big, thick belt. I mean, that thing was three inches wide and half-inch thick. And he'd pull that thing out like this, and he'd get ready to take me on. My mom would say, no, don't you hurt that boy. Don't you hurt him. You just told him to whip me. But God says he's going to do the same thing. He's going to take him to the woodshed. 
He said, just like the priest, the people go along with it. You know, what pastor preaches up here is what we believe, right? I mean, if, if we don't believe what pastor's preaching on Sunday morning, why are we sitting in the pews? If we're not following the way he follows, and he's following God, as far as we can tell, as far as I can tell, I mean, I, I, I have no problems with him. I think he's right on the mark in everything he does. If we're not following him like he's following Christ, we ain't no good. He said they're turning out just like their priests were, and their priests were really bad. Their, their priest was, was in sin as well. He said they shall eat and not have enough. He said, they shall commit wardom. They shall not increase because they have left off to heed to the Lord. God goes on to tell them because of their unfaithfulness, he's going to take away. Again, look over in chapter 2. What did he say about Gomer? He said he's going to put a hedge between her and her lovers, the other nations. He's going to block her from being able to sell herself to them and get money for it. Same thing he says here. He says, they sacri- he says uh, I will take away their food, their wine. They will eat, but they will never increase. Do you know that a drug addict can never get enough? He'll get his first little dose, and he'll, it feels good, then he'll take his next little dose. It'll take the next little dose. And they keep at it until they get to where they think they're high enough. <clears throat> he said, they will eat, but they will not be full. Have we ever ate enough of God's word and never been full? I haven't. Because a lot of times I have to put it down and go, phew. <laughs> well, that was a long one there. So, But... He said these people will eat. They, they, they will not be satisfied with what they have. They need more. It's just like that. The flesh needs more. He said, my people ask counsel of stocks and their staff declares unto them. The word stocks and staff are basically words that represent their idols. Their, their idols that they put up. They go to their idols. They go into their their make-believe temple or wherever it's at, and they get down on their knees before their idols and their statues, and they ask counsel of them. These are man-made, handmade objects. If Brother Caleb right there cut out and sawed out and chiseled out a, 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 a statue of Isla Fay and set it up on a pulpit, what would he be doing? He'd be idling as an idol. He said that's what they would do. These stocks and their staff. And, and, and would that statue talk back to you, Caleb? God says in his word, they have ears. Pastor spoke about it this morning. They have ears, but they can't hear. They have mouths, but they can't speak. They have noses, but they can't smell. And here these people were so wrapped up in their idols and in their flesh and in their sin that they were going to these idols and asking for a blessing. They were talking to this piece of wood. I've talked to a piece of wood before, but it ain't prayer. I might have called it a few things, but that's when it wouldn't cut right or nail right or something like that. But anyway, 
they would go and and they he says here they had the spirit of boredom. They've caused their error. Their priests are doing this to them. How many of you would sit in this po- in, in this meeting house if pastor was up here telling you some of the things that Joel Osteen talks about? I wouldn't. I'd be out the door. And that's what they were doing. These priests, these these evil priests were causing these people to err. It's just like Joe Osteen and Marilyn Hickey and Joyce Meyer. They're telling these people all this stuff that's not biblical. It has nothing to do with God. And millions of people are following in their footsteps. Right into hell. Now there may be some, some true Christians falling into that. Maybe listening to them. I, I, I see on Facebook every once in a while somebody I know... I'm pretty sure they're a Christian, and, and but they they share something from a person, or Joyce Meyer or somebody, and I'm thinking, how in the world can you believe in that? How can you listen to that person say this and still believe in God? But they were they were getting into that. They were they were worshiping their idols. He said they were even sacrificing on top of the mountaintops. They were burning incense upon the hills. They wanted to put their, their idols on the top so everybody could see it. We go back and we look at the, the history, and we'll see part of that in Hosea, where uh, uh, Jehu was starting to get rid of the idols. And where did he find them at? They were on the mountaintops. They were in the hills. He said they were burning incense under the trees because... It was comfortable under there. It was comfortable to sit and and light their incense. He goes on to say, he said, Therefore your daughters shall commit whoredoms and your spouses shall commit adultery. Listen to the next two verses. Verse 14. I will not punish your daughters when they commit a whoredom, nor your spouses when they commit adultery. Wait a minute, he just said that they're committing this adultery, right? They're committing sin. Why isn't he going to punish them? It's right here. For themselves are separated with whores, and they sacrifice harlots. Therefore the people that doeth not understand shall, shall fall. It is not the responsibility, or let me put that, I'm sorry. It is the responsibility of the husband, the father, to take care of his wife and daughter. So when he says, I'm not going to punish them, you know why? I'm going to punish you. He's talking about the men of Israel. Because it's their fault these women are doing this. It is their fault because they are going out and committing these sins. It's because the husband, the father, the man of the house isn't doing his job. He's going off and worshiping these idols. He's going off and and committing adultery himself with the prostitutes of the temple. He said, I'm not going to punish them because it's not their fault. It's the men's fault. It's the men of that country, men of Israel. We have the same thing here today. I don't know the percentage rate, but you see it all the time, of the crimes among young men who never grew up with a father. 
It's high. Daughters who never grew up with a mother. It's high. It was the husband, the father's responsibility to take care of his family, the wife and the daughters, and not let them get into this. He said, they will commit all this because of you. Though Israel play the harlot, let not them Judah be offended. This is, this is getting into deeply now because apparently Israel is forwarding their sin into Judah. Judah was ruled by Jehu. Judah was or Ahaz, as Ahaziah, Aziah, I'm sorry, A-Z-Z-I-A, whatever, right? He was a godly king. He was trying to reform Judah. Now, Judah was in the north. Israel was in the south. He was trying to reform them. He was bringing back God into that country in Judah. Not Israel, but Judah. He was saying here, don't let your people, your sins, move into Judah. He said, don't offend them. Don't get them cooked into your, uh, your sins and your uh, whoredoms and all that. Let them stay where they are. Don't bother them. Leave them alone. He even goes far as to say, don't. He's telling Judah now, don't go into Gilgad or Beth Haven. Beth Haven and Gilgad was one of the two uh, main spots of prostitution in that time. They were probably two of the greatest sinful cities in Israel at that time. And he said, don't offend Israel or don't offend Judah. Don't don't get them to go there. Because once they got there, they fall into the same sins. He said, Judah offends, and don't go into Gilgad, neither up into Bethaven, nor swear the Lord liveth. Going into a temple, it would be like going into a Buddhist temple, and me getting down and going saying, Lord Jesus Christ lives. Now you think, well, that's what you should do, because they need to hear that. Not if you're a Buddhist, Right? They were going into the temples and they were saying, God lives, the Lord lives, but they were still worshiping the idols. You can't do that. You can't believe one way and speak another. We have a lot of that today. He said, not even into Ephraim. Ephraim is joined to idols. Ephraim is another name for Israel because it was the largest city. He said, they have joined to idols. And he says, let them alone. Here's where we get to this point, this last part. He said, let them alone. Why did he tell, tell Israel to leave Ephraim alone? That was, that was a, a tribe. Ephraim was one of the tribes. Why did he tell them to leave them alone? Here's the point here. When God deals with an individual or a nation, and he deals with them, 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 Sooner or later, at one point, God's going to say, enough's enough. That's it. I'm done dealing with you. It's time for wrath. It's time for punishment. How many of us have ever gone on and on and on? I don't know if, if you got saved as a young person or you got saved as an old person. 
But how many times have you ever noticed in your life, after you got saved, I know I did, realized that there were times in my life that God was dealing with me, and I was ignoring it. I was ignoring it. I fell out of a third-story window one time. I should have died, but I didn't. I just broke an ankle. Uh, I, I, I ran my car into another van one time. That was smashed up all over the place. There was all kinds of things that I'd done in my life that I know I should have died from. But God kept me alive for a reason. Whether this is it or there's something else, I don't know. But he dealt with me this whole time. I was raised not in, uh, well, I could say a Christian home, but it wouldn't be Christian, Christian home. Um, I was born, I was, born, I was baptized as a Catholic at eight days old, I guess. Uh, we went to the Salvation Army. As a, as a young man, I went with a friend of mine. His dad was the bus driver for a Baptist church. <laughs> I went with my uncle to a Lutheran church. I got a multi-denominational self, or church history, okay? Uh, you know, my brother and sister, Jimmy and Missy, went to Catholic school. That's how they were raised. Um, I remember one time I was in the Army, I was in Texas, and uh, I had a bad night the night before, all my fault. Um, and I got up the next morning, it was Sunday, and I didn't have to work that day, so I said, you know what, I think I'm going to go over to the Catholic Mass. It could have been Episcopal or anything else. I, I still don't go. So I went over and Of course, I went through, sat through the Mass and all that stuff, and I got up, got done. I went back to my barracks and I turned the TV on. Guess what happened about 30 minutes prior to that? The Pope died. It was plastered over the TV. I'm thinking, I'll go to Mass and the Pope dies. How... how, how does that have a connection there or not? I don't know. But it kind of it kind of dawned on me, you know, maybe I shouldn't be in church. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this stuff, going to church and worrying about that stuff. And a lot of times I didn't. But he says here, he says that Ephraim was, they had joined themselves. He said, let them alone because they've come to the point where I'm no longer going to deal with them on a pleasurable manner. I'm no longer going to bless them. I'm no longer going to have mercy for them. They've reached their edge. If they fall off, they fall off. He says their drink is sour. It's no longer going to be sweet to them. They have committed war continually. Her rulers with shame do love. Give ye, he says. The wind hath bound her up in her wings. And they shall be ashamed because of their sacrifices. He will expose them. That, that, that wording of, of the wind under their wings means that it's opened them up and they can see their belly. Everything is being shown. They're being exposed. We see this in our country as well. We see it all around us. <clears throat> I was watching a, uh, watching a video today and these guys go on these, these videos and they do a social experiment. And they were going to a, a Walmart and they were going to the people and they said, I got a $20 bill if you can give me a Bible verse. Well, the first guy was like in his 50s, 
No, I don't know any. Okay. They went to a middle-aged woman. Twenty dollars, you give me a Bible verse. She couldn't get one. They went to a young man about thirty years old. Twenty bucks, you give me a Bible verse. Couldn't do it. They went to about ten people. Finally, at the end of it, they went to a little boy about fourteen. Can you give me a Bible verse? Oh yeah, twenty bucks, sure. Jesus wept. At least he knew one verse. It's a sad state to look at that and think, this is the world we live in? That people, not even for money, can say a verse. Anybody, I mean, even the Catholic can say, you know, God so loved the world, right? They ought to be able to say, you know, the Lord's Prayer. I mean, they say it all the time, right? But we look at Israel here and, and the sin and, and the, the, the destruction that they've gotten into because of that sin. Even the land. We look at our own country and we, we look at ourselves and we look at what's around us and the crime that's going on and the political politics and the, the, the crime in it, the corruption. Even with our own families, we look at things and we say, how did it get this way? You know, it, it, I don't know if if Biden is God's plant here or not. I don't know. But all I can say is, you know, we had it good for about four years. Really good. Economically, you know, I don't know how our lives were. But then all of a sudden it went downhill real quick. Did God cause that? I don't think he caused it, but I think he allowed it. Because he is sovereign. He has control of everything. And we look at Israel and we think, you know what, our country is getting in that same spot. And there may be today, tomorrow, next week, next year, who knows. God may say, you know what, I've had enough. I've let you go on and go on and go on. I'm stopping it right here. Your land will mourn. The people will cry out. People will start doing things they never thought they would do ever again. And I'm ashamed that's, that's the way we are. He shall expose this nation for what it is and the people in it. When I pray for this nation, and I, I pray for the whole country, but I specifically pray that God will bless the remnant that he's left here. Out of all the population of the United States, how many millions is it? Eight million, whatever it is. Okay? According to statistics from last time I noticed, only about 24% claim to be Christian. And some of those are Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and Catholics and all those others. That's all of them together. If you go back and you look at 1800s or even 1700s, when we first come over here, we first the, the pilgrims come over. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of them. There's a lot more Indians and stuff here, natives. But the people who were here, 99% of them were Christian. They were Puritans. They were godly. And we've gone this far. Anyway, next week we'll get to looking at Israel and Judah both being rebuked for what their sins are. Any questions? Any comments?
Ludden? All right. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night. We ask you, Lord, to uh, just bless us as we go about our way. We ask you to uh, help us this week as our work and our schooling and the things we need to do. And Father, we just ask for a blessing. God, we ask that you help us not to be as Israel was. Help us not to fall into the sins and the degradation and the corruption and, and the evils that they had fell into. Father, we ask for blessing upon this nation and these people here. Father, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.